tank. Okay, officially they're watermelon, okay? Officially. Yes. Um, I love the songs. Thank you, Josh. Um, Josh didn't know. He may have made an educated guess, but he didn't know what I would be preaching tonight. And uh, so the song selection was perfect. Um, I heard the sermon all the way through the songs. And you know that we are in John 5. And Jesus is saying, I am God and nobody else is. It may be the strongest chapter. There are many in John. And there are others in the Bible. But it may be the strongest chapter uh, as far as um, Jesus being crystal clear about who He is. So, as I occasionally remind you, I don't, want, I don't want small things for you when you come in here. Um, I want everything for you when you come in here. And everything must begin with knowing Jesus Christ. I don't want anything less than that for you. We uh, talk about important things in here. And um, it's why I preach to you from the Word of God. I don't just make up little sermonettes that sound good and, you know, throw in a poem and a funny story and a joke and an illustration. What we do is we look at the Word of God because I want everything for you. And if I withhold the Word of God from you, you can never have everything. You can only have everything, meaning Jesus Christ. If you're sitting under His Word, you're being immersed in His Word on your own, and you're looking at Him in the Word, and you're being changed by the glory of Christ in the Word. It's why we do the Word. We don't do anything else here. We don't care about politics. We don't care about crusades. We don't care about you know the latest uh, whatever fad. We just don't care about any of this. We want to look at Christ and we want to be changed. We want everything God has for us. And the only way to do it is to be in the Word. So we meet here to do serious things. Nobody else will tell you the truth. Nobody else in the world will tell you the truth. Even most so-called churches today will not tell you the truth. Unless they preach from the Word of God. We talk about the truth in here. Nobody else will tell you. The media won't tell you. The university won't tell you. Your professors won't tell you. God's truth is in His Word. So God meets us in His Word. We're not just here to learn facts. We are here to taste the glory of God through the Word of God. So I'm not a professor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not a life coach. I'm a preacher of the Word of God. If you're not interested in the Word of God, you're not going to like it here. Because this is all we do. I'm not here to life coach you up. 
I'm not here to motivate you. I'm here to say, look at Jesus in the Word and be in awe. The only thing that will drive a healthy Christian life is awe. Is if you have seen Him for who He is and you understand He is God, nobody else is God, and I'm going to build my life around the fact that He's my Creator, He's my Redeemer, nothing else much matters beyond that. I'm not saying we can't have lesser interests, marriages, careers, children. I'm not saying those are out of bounds. I'm not saying that at all. Those are blessings from God. He gives them. But I'm saying Jesus is always first. He is always first. So I want everything, if you're an unbeliever tonight or you're a nominal Christian, I want everything for you. I want you to genuinely encounter Jesus Christ and I want you to come to true conversion. And I would really love it if it happened tonight. For the true believer, I desire all there is for you to have. I want you to perpetually be encountering Jesus Christ and being radically changed, thereby radically obeying and following Him. This is what I want for you. I don't want small stuff for you. I want the abundant life for you. This is not academic or theoretical. God expects you to seize, lay hold of the abundant life, and live the abundant life. That's why we look at the Word of God. One thing you learn in seminary, if you go to a good seminary, one of the first things you learn is, all the things I just said, I cannot do. Okay, all the things I just said, I cannot give this to you. I cannot hand it off to you. It's impossible. It's, it's a miraculous, supernatural work of God. Right? For you to glimpse and taste and treasure uh, Jesus Christ. We've been talking, we saw it in John 3. You must be born again. Well, how do I do that? The Spirit blows where He will. There's mystery here. There's mystery. You must be born again. This is God's side of the equation. The human side of the equation, you must believe. You must repent and believe. This is what you must do. You go to a good seminary, you learn you can't do any of this. So what can a preacher actually get accomplished? Not very much except to have integrity with the Bible. This is what you must demand of your preachers when you go to the next church you go to. You must demand integrity with the Bible, and if you can't get integrity with the Bible in your next church, then you must leave that church. It is a false church. If they cannot deliver integrity with Scripture, that's all I can do. It's all I have. I don't have anything else. i got a friend in the pastorate. He always says, he tells people come to him with all kinds of problems. You know, he takes him to the Bible and he says, this is all I've got. I don't have anything else. I'm not the Wizard of Oz. I've got the Word of God. If it's not enough for you. I'm sorry. But it's always enough for those who love and believe Him. So I desire everything for you. Everything God has for you, I want you to lay hold. I want you to consciously and purposefully and proactively lay hold of the promises of God. 
It's what I want for you. C.S. Lewis is right about God's Word. The Bible is a book from, for grown-ups. I, I've seen it all my life. Long introduction, short text, okay? Um, I've seen it all my life. People just walk away. Oh, I don't like that, Jim. They leave. Now, I know they'll go down the road. Of course, not here, but in many places in the world, they just go down the road to some other church who edits God. But I've seen, I've seen it all my life. People just walk away. They finally get to some place. They, they get to some place in the Bible where they don't agree with God and they blow God off. I've seen it. I've seen it all of my life. They want that cartoon Jesus. Tell me, that, tell me, the, tell me about that Jesus who never judges anybody. Tell me about Him. I want to know about Him. Well, you heard it in the text. That's not the biblical Jesus. Jesus has been granted all authority to execute judgment. And He will. Everyone in this room will stand before Jesus, will look in His eyes, and you will meet Him as your Savior or you will meet Him as your judge. There are no exceptions in all of humanity. There are no exceptions. Every human being that draws a breath in this life will stand before God. Will stand before Jesus Christ. It's uh, just a biblical, it's a biblical fact. So, we hold up the biblical Jesus. We will not emasculate Jesus Christ. And we will challenge you to behold both the kindness and severity of God so if you call yourself a Christian tonight, let me just ask you this. Are you worshiping the biblical Jesus or do you have some denominational counterfeit in your head? The only way you'll know is if you're actually in the Word of God and you're, you're, you're looking at Him and you're reading His words. So tonight we're going to talk about grown-up things. We're going to talk about death, which we're all headed to, and we're going to talk about judgment. Why? Because it's the next verse. Why? Because Jesus is talking about it. Why? They're the red words. These are the words of God. I would be the worst kind of coward. I would be guilty of ministerial malpractice if I thought, well, that's not an easy message. Some people won't like it. I'm going to move on to something else. Right? We're talking about grown-up stuff. Death, which you will face, lest Jesus come back. And standing before the greatest being in the cosmos. It will happen for you and for me. So, I'll begin, as we begin to talk about death and judgment, I'll begin, as I always do when I get to a hard text, Isaiah 66.2. God says to this one, I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. So I'll ask you this and then we'll move on. Are you that kind of Christian? It's the only kind of real Christian there is. The real Christian is humble before the Word of God. The real Christian is contrite in spirit before the Lord. And the real Christian trembles at the Word of God. 
The real Christian doesn't edit God. He doesn't spin God. He doesn't blow God off. He doesn't ignore God. If it's a hard text, he wrestles with God if he needs to and has to. So Jesus says tonight, all authority to judge has been given to me. And I will judge. So, yeah. You know what the world says about Jesus. We've been talking about it the last few weeks as we've been in the Gospel of John. You know all the stuff. You've heard all the stuff, right? We've talked about some of it in the last few weeks. Yeah, he's a good teacher. He's a, he's a good man. He's a Jewish prophet. He's a, he's a political zealot. He was a religious extremist. He, extremist. He, was a, he was a psychopath. He was a charlatan. He was a blasphemer. You've heard it all. Some say that his claims were a lie, that his life and death were a waste, that he was simply a common criminal, rightly executed that His trial and conviction were evidence of His guilt, that His crucifixion was proof of His defeat, that His purported resurrection is simply a hoax orchestrated by disciples. You know, the world sees a man born of two peasants in a nowhere place, an uneducated carpenter, growing up in a backwater part of the world, unsophisticated, unrefined, uncultured, a ne'er-do-well, who never attained worldly wealth, power, or position. The world says this man is a pathetic figure. But what does God say? Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Jesus says, He who has seen Me has seen the Father. If you want the texts, email me. I'll send them to you. Those are all from the Gospel of John. So the Bible is very clear. It clearly asserts the deity of Christ. He is the galaxy-breathing God. He's the Creator God. He is the Redeemer God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Lion of Judah. He is the awesome, fearsome, consuming fire God coming in fierce wrath. I'd like to know, come tell me afterwards, the last time you heard the word wrath in a sermon, not at ICM. You guys know Revelation 6. John says, I looked, and he, being Jesus, broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell into the earth, the sky was split apart like a scroll when it was rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth, the great men, the commanders, the rich, the strong, and every slave and free man hid himself in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? You know, the world loves Jesus in the manger, right? <laughs> He's not in the manger anymore. All authority has been granted to Him to execute judgment on every intelligent, moral being in the universe. 
That includes you. It's been appointed for man once to die, and after this comes the judgment. Yeah, the cartoon Jesus, He never comes in judgment, right? (laughs) Yeah, He never comes in judgment, but the biblical Jesus will and does. He is coming. He said it. I'm coming quickly. Last chapter of Revelation. I am coming quickly. He could come now. He is coming. So last week, John chapter 5, we saw Jesus exercise His Creator power in healing a man. He asserts His authority over the Sabbath. He actually, between the lines, He's saying, I am the Sabbath. I created the Sabbath. I do whatever I want on the Sabbath. I'm God. Shut up! Right? I know that's not proper. Karen hates it when I say that. But He's talking to these religious guys who are, are, who are on His case for, oh, healing a guy. Keep our religious rules on Sunday. Don't heal a guy. But keep our rules. You're breaking the Sabbath. Jesus says, I am the Sabbath. Effectively. I'm God, He says. I do whatever I please, whenever I please. One of the things that Jesus is clearly saying, you remember last week we heard Him say in verse 17, My Father is working until now, and I Myself am working. What is the work of the Father? We talked about it. What is the work of the Father and the Son right now? They created a cosmos. They rested. But they're at work again. What are they at work doing now? Anybody remember? Redemption. They're at work to save a people out of the human race. Whosoever will. God is working. God works on the Sabbath. He's going to redeem a people for the glory of His name and for their joy, their eternal joy. Just quickly, some of the claims Jesus made last week. Verses 19-24. to Jesus says, the Father and I work together. He says, we share perfect love in the Godhead. He says, the Father and the Son are in perfect confidence. The Father and the Son have the power to grant life. All judgment has been given to Jesus Christ. All honor and worship from every intelligent moral creature is due to Jesus Christ. These are just a few of the things we saw last week. Jesus Christ is saying it as clearly as He can say it. I'm God. Nobody else is. I'm God. Now the interesting thing was that Jesus not only said this, He let it stand. Right? There's no, there's no misunderstanding here. The Pharisees accused Him of claiming to be God or equal to God. And Jesus let that stand. Jesus didn't say, oh, you know, you've got me wrong. I didn't mean that. Jesus lets it stand. He is saying He's God. That's what He's saying in John chapter 5. There's no mistake. Jesus let it stand, and I'll say it again. We've been saying it a lot. You don't have any, you, you only have three choices. <laughs> he's God, he's a lunatic, or he's a demon. There, there are no other viable choices. This, this is the truth about Jesus Christ. You have to decide. So, if he's God, you must worship. If you decide he's a demon or a lunatic, then 
Go eat, drink, and be merry. You have made a grave error. As I told you earlier, the first, at first when I, when I looked at the chapter, I thought, I'll just go ahead and finish the chapter. And then I got all caught up in this, this judgment of Jesus. And it got so big and beautiful in my heart, I, I had to cut it off at verse 29. It's as far as I could get. So verse 25 and 26 again. Again, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear shall live. For just as the Father has life in Himself, even so He gave to the Son also to have life in Himself. So truly, truly, again, we understand what that means. Jesus is saying this is absolute, rock-solid, indispensable truth. You must understand this. You cannot misunderstand it. So, in verse 25, Jesus tells us that He has absolute sovereign power over life and death. I mentioned this to you last week, and I'm sorry I insert some things, but they're fresh on my heart. Um, science doesn't understand life at all. They have no clue. Materialistic science has no clue about how life could ever have begun. There's such a, a mammoth quantum galactic leap from living to non-living matter, from uh, inanimate to animate matter, from inorganic to organic, uh, from mere matter to a conscious mind. There, there's such, you know, yeah, there's such a quantum leap here. Science has no idea how it could have ever happened. Well, of course, Bible believers understand how it happened. Jesus spoke. That's how it happened. Jesus just spoke it. You know, I, I, I do a lot of reading in this area, and atheists and agnostics get converted from looking at the complexity of life. Because <laughs> they realize it had to come from somewhere. All this code, all this information inside the cell, 3.5 billion characters in every cell of your body that spells you? Where does this code come from? Code only comes from mine. Information only comes from mine. This is a... Darwin's going to be blown out of the water in the next... Probably, it, well, they already know Darwin doesn't work. They're just not telling you yet, unless you're reading. So, Darwin doesn't work on the cellular level. It's impossible. The cell's too complex. So, and because of information. It's, a, it's, a whole, it's kind of a new area in science. My point is this. Jesus is the genius of life. He created life. He did it. It's why Satan attacks Genesis 1 and 2. He doesn't want Jesus getting any glory. So Jesus is the genius behind Physical life and Jesus is the power behind spiritual life. Okay? Both of these things are true. Verse 25, and it's my sense that Jesus is talking about the miracle of spiritual life here. Um, he, for the spiritually dead who hear the voice, they shall live. 
I think the final resurrection is more fully addressed in the subsequent verses, verses 28 and 29. So Jesus is talking about the miracle of spiritual birth here. It's my view in verse 25. The dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear, they shall live. You guys know it's Ephesians 2.1. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, if you're a Christian tonight, you're alive. How did that happen? God made you alive. <laughs> it, well, I'll just read it to you from Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God being rich in mercy, great in love, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, made us alive. And of course, Lazarus is the perfect example. Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. This is an illustration of what Jesus does as He calls us into spiritual life. Jesus says, those who hear shall live. Those who hear shall live. If you're a Christian tonight, you heard Him. And you are now alive. It's not because you were a good Baptist or a good Methodist or a good Anglican or a good Catholic or a good anything else. Regeneration is from God, Titus 3.5. Repentance is from God, 2 Timothy 2.25. Faith is a gift from God, Ephesians 2.8. Yes, you must repent and believe. But beloved, there is a ton of stuff going on before you understand you need to repent and believe. And you're supposed to be humble and contrite, and maybe if you need to, tremble just a little bit at how mysterious your salvation is and how glorious it is. You don't bring anything to the table. God makes that clear. That no man will boast. No man can boast, well, I'm saved. Well, you're saved by the grace of God if you're saved. No man gets to boast in the kingdom of God. No man will boast in the kingdom of God. We only glory in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Verse 26, God holds life in His hands. He gives it and He takes it. I think I shared this with you last week. 1 Samuel 2.6, The Lord kills and the Lord makes alive. Listen, I want to say this. I've said this to you many times. This is the prerogative of God. This is God's business. You say, well, that, that life was tragically cut short. Well, let me tell you, you guys know the psalmist, our days are, are ordained in God. Before there was one, He has written them. Either you believe the Bible or you don't. I'm just telling you what it says. God decides if the baby lives one day or the baby lives a hundred years. God decides. God is sovereign in life and death. You may not like it, but it's the truth of the Bible. God is sovereign. It's not your business doesn't mean we don't weep and mourn and grieve. That's certainly appropriate when a loved one dies. But it's not your business to critique God on life and death. I would say to you, you don't have the brain power to critique God, nor do I. Verse 27, And He the Father gave Him the Son authority to execute judgment because He, the Son, because he is the Son 
of man. Let me read to you just quickly Revelation 19, 11 through 16. This will be a familiar passage to many of you. John said, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is coming in judgment. Listen, if you love your friends and your family and your colleagues and your neighbors, you'll tell them Jesus is coming in judgment. You know, Jesus has been so emasculated in much of what is called the modern church. He's just lovey-dovey, cuddly, fuzzy Jesus. Listen, you either take all of Jesus or you don't get any of Him. He is a God of infinite mercy and grace and He is a God of infinite wrath. He is both things. Every day He's both things. And He is warning us that judgment is coming. You guys know the famous text, Matthew 25, 31-41. Let me just read you a few excerpts. But the Son of Man comes in His glory. Uh, when He comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And all nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Yes, there is an eternal heaven. Yes, there is an eternal hell. Jim, that's your opinion. It is not my opinion. It is what God says. You can believe it or you can disbelieve it, but God has said it. You can receive it or you can reject it, but God has said it. You know, there are people who call themselves Christians. There are denominations who call themselves Christians who no longer hold to the concept of eternal conscious punishment. They just, they can't, they can't, they can't relate to it, so they set it aside, even though Jesus Christ talks about it more than anyone else in Scripture. Did you notice? He has authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. I thought that was interesting. Because He is the Son of Man. What is being said here? You're going to be judged by one of your own. You're not going to be judged by someone who doesn't understand the human condition. He walked the earth. He was tempted in every way you are. And He lived a perfect life. Right? Isn't it fitting and just that we would be judged by one of our own? The Son of Man. The God-Man. There'll be nobody on the last day saying, well, you don't understand. He does understand. He's felt everything you feel. He's experienced almost everything you've experienced. Except sin, of course. 
you will be judged by him who knows you intimately. Not only did he make you, he's walked in your shoes. It is fitting, is it not, that we would be judged by one of our own. Nobody's going to say you don't understand because he does. He does understand. Verse 28-29, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tomb shall hear His voice and shall come forth, those who did the good deeds to the resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Did you hear it? All, all in the tombs will come out. All the dead will come out. Every dead human being will come out. Are you getting some sense of the power of Jesus? I know I hammer this all the time, but you know, the, the thing I like to say is that the whole two trillion galaxy thing, he speaks two trillion galaxies into existence. Like, you know, that's a mind-blowing deal. But when he calls the dead, all the dead will come. Believers and unbelievers, all the bodies, all the decomposed molecules will obey the word of Jesus and they will be reassembled, almost recreated in a sense, and bodily come out of the grave. You will see it happen. It will happen to you. This is the power of God. This is the power of Jesus Christ. Are you worshiping yet? Let me stop and ask you. I should have been asking, are you worshiping yet? John 5, we're supposed to worship at, at the, the feet of this awesome God. He speaks and decomposed matter obeys. Nothingness obeys. Everything obeys. <laughs> In the cosmos... So, 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, The Lord Himself will descend with a cry, with a shout of command. Jesus is coming. So, are you in awe? If you're not in awe, you don't understand anything I've said. You've not yet understood who He is. You've not yet understood His omnipotent power. And you've not yet understood His sovereign authority. You will look Him in the eye. I lovingly ask you, are you ready to look Him in the eye? I was listening to John Piper on this text and he said the most amazing thing. He always does. Life is dangerous. Life is dangerous because you don't know how much longer you're going to be in this life. None of us do. It could end for some of us this very day. We don't know. Life is dangerous. You need a Savior. My question is, do you have one? Are you still playing religion? Do you know Jesus Christ? I lovingly ask, do you know Jesus Christ? You know, Jesus not only upholds the cosmos by the word of His power, Hebrews 1.3 in Him we live and move and have our being. Acts 17.28 You know, I won't go into it, but I, you can tell I'm kind of jazzed about it. You know, the theory of everything. You know, the, the, the physicists are trying to 
to discover the, the theory of everything, where they could, they could take all the major forces of the universe and put it into a formula that will fit on the front of your T-shirt, right? This is where they're trying to go. I don't think they'll ever get there, but we already know the theory of everything. His name is Jesus Christ. You can just put Jesus Christ right here. He holds it all together. He's why the atom holds together, right? He's why the galaxies maintain their orbit. He's why. He's why. We already know, beloved. Physics is astonishing. But let me tell you what's more astonishing. <laughs> is the guy who spoke it into existence. He is really astonishing. The guy who upholds all of it. Guy, capital G. God. The God-man. The God-man... Piper says, John Piper, American preacher, he says, no one goes out of existence. There is no such loss for the righteous and no such hope for the wicked. Jesus will raise them all. Every human being will look their Creator in the eye and they will either hear, come, you who are blessed of My Father, receive your inheritance, or they will hear, depart from Me, accursed one, into the eternal fire. In verse 29, we see the basis upon which Jesus makes this determination. What does it say? What does verse 29 say? How will it be determined whether you shall enter into the resurrection of life or the resurrection of judgment? What does it say? Anybody? By your what? Your deeds. You say, wait, Jim. I thought we were saved. By grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. That's right. But what's he talking about here? He's not talking about being saved by your deeds. He's talking about your deeds being evidence of your salvation. We talk about this all the time. Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is never alone. It's James chapter 2. The works are always there. The works are there. We're not saved by the works. The works are... I, I, I was listening to, to Piper on this. The, the works are evidence in the courtroom of God. The perfect judge of the cosmos is not going to pass judgment, although he knows all things, without proper evidence. What is the evidence that Jim Albright loves Jesus Christ? Well, I see it in his life. And the books will be opened and it will be read. It was in his life. This is who we love. This is who we worship. This is how we live. It's in my life. And it's either in your life or it's not in your life. This is what's being said here. It's evidence. Your life is evidence in the courtroom of God. You are not saved by your works. You are saved by the grace of God. But if you are saved by the grace of God, <laughs> you'll be doing those good works. It will be your life. It's just the clear teaching of Scripture. I, I never understand how people get confused about this, although major denominations have this completely upside down. So my, my point to you is if you have questions about that, please come and talk to me about it. You will be judged on your lived out life. Your lived out life will be evidence in the courtroom of God. You are saved by grace. You know, I'll say it this, I said it this way in my book and I, I like it. I, don't know, I, don't, I think it's original. I don't know if it's original. We don't become disciples to, to be saved. We become disciples because we 
are saved. Okay? That's how it works with God. So we talk about ultimate things here, things that are inevitable, inviolable, eternal. Nobody else is going to tell you. Nobody else is going to love you enough to tell you. You say, Jim, how, how can I be sure you love me? You check me. You check me on the Bible. That's how you know. If I love you, I tell you the truth. If I don't, I'm just trying to keep my job. That's how you know a pastor loves you. He tells you what God says. And John Piper is right. Life is dangerous. So you must go after Jesus. Those of you who don't know Him, you must pursue Him. You must seek Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you must find Him. Those of you who do know Him, you must go deeper with Him. <laughs> you must pursue Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That you will go deeper with Him. That the works you do will bring much glory to God and much reward to you in heaven. Jim, it sounds like a fairy tale. Well, maybe you want to write it off as a fairy tale, but this is what God says. Prove me wrong. I'll change my sermon. Prove me wrong from the Word of God. I don't care what anybody else says. You prove me wrong from the Word of God, I'll change the way I preach tomorrow. I'll do it. I will do it. So, beloved, you will stand before Jesus one day soon. You will look into His eyes one day soon. You will meet Him as your Savior or as your judge one day soon. And with all my heart, I want you to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your Master. Matthew 25, 23. And I'll close with this. You guys know it. Hebrews 2, 3. How will you escape if you neglect so great a salvation? How will you escape? God has bled out for you. God has done everything. God has gone beyond what any sane person would ask God to do. This is how far God, God has gone to redeem your soul. My question to you is, how have you responded? Is it just religion? Is it just business as usual at church? Or is it like, I'm really learning, I'm, I'm really tasting His glory and I'm really giving myself away. I'm really working hard at giving myself away. I'm really working hard at growing in the grace and knowledge of God. I'm really working hard about how to be a disciple and a witness in the world because I know that's the only reason He's left me on the planet. I'm really working hard at this. And I'm not talking about perfection, right? I'm just talking about simple obedience because none of us are perfect. Indeed, how shall we escape 
if we neglect so great a salvation. According to the text tonight, we will not escape. No human being will escape. Let's pray together. Lord, I love it that You love us so much that You speak unvarnished truth. (laughs) There's no real misunderstanding here. We know that You are telling us that You are God. We know that You are telling us that You will either be our Savior or our Judge. We understand. It's what the words mean. So Lord, I pray that each one of us in this room would weigh that out. It would matter in the morning when we get up. It would matter all day long. That we will be judged by our deeds. Or we could say lives. And does our life give evidence of the fact that we treasure Jesus Christ above all? That He is our consummate pleasure? Does our life bear that out? Lord, help us to examine our hearts. These are non-negotiable things. These are eternal. These are forever. And You have told us You are coming quickly. Lord God, I pray that each one of us would hear You speak. And if we need to repent, we'll repent. If we need to believe, we'll believe. If we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, we will. If we need to radically reorganize our priorities in our life, we will start to work on it. So help us, great God, we pray. Help us in our weakness and in our sin. Help us, we pray. Thank You that You are God of mercy. A God who dies for His people. It is unbelievable. But it is the Gospel and we thank You, Father. We give all glory and honor to the name of Jesus. It's in His name that we pray. Hey Josh, could we sing uh, like I Stand? Is there a part of that, that song we could sing? Or is that, would that work? I love that song. Let's uh, stand and sing together. <clears throat>